nice to see everybody on Christmas Eve day, Christmas Eve. It's the cream of the crop here. The real Buddhists are showing up. Where's our president, Adrian, if you're listening to me online? Even the president is not here. What kind of Buddhist society do we have? We got the best, best kind of Buddhist society. If, if our president needs to be with his family who's celebrating Christmas, that's the way to do it. That's the best kind of Buddhist society. We're not religion where we say, no, this is the only way. Now we all are, everybody's included. We put Christmas decoration here because that's what we do. That's how, that's how we celebrate Buddhism. We do the uh, kindness is the one that matters in Buddhism. It's not the uh, kind of exclusive thing where you have to be Buddhist one way or the other. No, everybody's included. We all belong here. We are all welcome. So I've been actually very, it's interesting, I, I've seen recently two Christians just recently came, um, talked to, oh, I saw, um, uh, uh, and they were saying they were listening to Ajahn Brahm, and they, they talked to me, and they were so impressed about how, how, uh, how, um, how much benefit they find from Ajahn Brahm's talk. So it's very in encouraging that they, everybody finds the benefit from these teachings and and um, being quiet, being uh, being mindful, meditation, all those things. They, it doesn't matter who you are. We all have the same mind. It's um, it's interesting. I I got these pictures now from my family as well. Back in Finland, everybody's celebrating Christmas, and my auntie sent a told me they went to yesterday. In Finland, it's the normal days to celebrate 24th. That's our Christmas Eve. That's the for us when we celebrate. And I got these pictures from my family celebrating children. And my auntie sent a picture that, oh, I just, you know, we're having lunch today and I have to work for the new Christmas New Year. And I sent her a message back. I'm working as well. <laughs> oh, I'm so overworked, underpaid. But it's it's nice work, you know. Christmas. This is time of giving, and this is my my way of giving. I give you give a talk. I teach Dhamma. It's it's a very nice. If anything, this is um, this is one of the best things you can do. As a, in Christmas, you can give. It's not. Perhaps you don't get so many gifts or give so many gifts, but. The, Give yourself into something else. Give yourself, come to the meditation. That's why somebody asked me what we could have the meditation retreat starting today after the, after the meal today and then continue next two days. And everybody welcome, please come if you have time and come and go if you, there's no, no schedule. Um, but I said, I think the good title would be that to give yourself a best Christmas present. Really... If you want to be giving something, give yourself a peace of mind. We too rarely we have things. We have too many things in our lives, but the the less we have, the easier it is to keep things under control is perhaps the wrong word, but to keep things even 
and it's the evenness, evenness and um, and the solitude of mind is what actually we all are looking for in our lives, where we have this kind of constant happiness, and that's what we're really aiming in Buddhism. Have this kind of evenness of mind. And I've been extremely lucky living with somebody like Ajahn Brahm. We don't have a Buddha here anymore. We don't have, perhaps, the other famous monks from the suttas. But we still have good people around. And I've been extremely lucky myself to be with somebody like Ajahn Brahm, who's given so much, and following on the footsteps. And we, we sort of, the monks coming after him, we are... You are, or we are always encouraged to sort of stand on his shoulders. So we, that's what we do. We follow on, on others' footsteps. And, but at the same time, we, we have to do the same thing what they're doing, but almost like surpass them. But it's not surpassing in a way that we have become better, but we are continuing their legacy. So you... Same with your family. Whatever your mom and dad have done to you, whether your grandparents have done to you, we're continuing the legacy. We, we sort of stand on the shoulders of the people who have taken care of us and who have given their gifts for us, who has taken care of us. And at the same, so that encourages us to give. That puts us forward of we standing in the shoulders of great beings, whether it's our families or teachers. So those are the things. That's a that's one way of giving. You give yourself, and we just took the five precepts. Or you did, you took the five precepts. Why do you take five precepts? Why do you have to take five precepts? Or why should you take five precepts? It's not that you have to restrain yourself to be a good person just out of outwardly uh, uh, showing people that you are somehow better than others. That's, that would be a you know, really wrong way of doing it. You're taking five precepts to give others the the gift of that they can trust you. If somebody knows that you're not going to be lying or hurting them intentionally, you're giving them a gift. That's why you take five precepts. You're giving them a gift that others can trust you. That's a really good way of looking at of, of why should you take five precepts. Why do we meditate? We meditate to give ourselves a gift, in a sense, of, of being seeing what's inside of us. If we never look inside what's, what's inside of you, we just fester a lot of things inside. We all have problems, whether they're coming from outside of ourselves or whether they're inside of, us, inside of ourselves. But if you never look what's happening inside, how do you know what, what are your perceptions? How do you know what's triggering you, making you work the way you do, making you see the life, how you see the life, how, how, what's happening. And even just that act of looking into, 
brings you more calmness. You see how everything is out of control, everything is constantly changing, the mind is its like the ocean, sometimes we give a simile, it's like an ocean, just comes and goes, comes and goes, the waves in, in our lives. And the, one of the highest happinesses, which Ajahn Brahm always tells us, is the happiness of contentment. You can be always, you can be content. No matter what happens, contentment is one of the highest happinesses in the world. It's interesting, going back to the my type of, this type of work, what do I, what do, I do for a living? <laughs> On Thursday I went to do ghost busting. I tell this story so people wake up, I can see some people sleeping. <laughs> so. I, we don't just do chanting in front of others or give precepts or give Dhamma talks. We do more interesting stuff as well. Ghost busting, yes. So there was somebody had died in this hotel room. And uh, I think the cleaning crew and uh, um, people who were doing the, the housekeepers, they, they were afraid to go there. It seems to be that there was some spirit there. This person didn't seem to... I get the feeling that this person was a bit confused. That's what the feeling I got. The spirit, the soul, the mind, however you want to call it, didn't, didn't seem to want to leave. He wasn't from Melbourne, actually. It's interesting. And he had passed away in this room. And um, for some reason, I went to the room, and it felt strange. I, nobody told me why we're going. I thought I was just going to go into blessing of the hotel. Sometimes I've been there hotel before. The, the owners, other people who are running it, are Buddhist, very nice people. So they just walked me into this room, and I was like, "What are we? why are we in this room? But even before I asked, I had this feeling that something not right. My hair was rising up. I don't have a hair, but <laughs> this stuff, what I have left. Something is like, you know how you have tingling in your, in your skin? Something wasn't right there. I said, why are we doing the chanting in this room? And I said, oh, well, um, this is why we actually invited you, Bantekos. Somebody passed away in this room. I said, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And then I wondered... I said, was this person from here? Was he from Melbourne or close by? He's like, no, he's from England. And I wondered, why did that person, this is just purely speculation, but uh, why would anybody, if, if, they, if you die here, why, why wouldn't your mind go back to where you're from? Well, there's you know, different options. Perhaps you, you had something where you, you were living here anyways, you were and that you didn't really, you didn't have a lot of connection to there. That's a really unlikely. We all have a very, very strong connection to, almost to a place or family. We have, that's our, we call it the karmic connect connections. We have a very strong attachments, and that's what actually keeps you on this rebirth process. But most likely he didn't have that. There's another option. Maybe he had something to do here. That he was. He felt that nothing. Something wasn't finished. Perhaps his work, or I don't know why he was. Uh, why was he here? Maybe he was something doing something in Melbourne where he needed to. He felt that he 
something wasn't done, that's an option. But I thought that one of the options could be that he was confused. He didn't maybe even, didn't even know he was dead. It's a, it's a, I think a lot of us, we forget what dying is. You're, we all died many times, but it's still confusing. You, you're sort of in this dream state, and if you, nobody really tells you that you're dead. You don't realize you might be dead, but you just sort of hang around. So there was a weird thing in that room, and, the, and the, apparently the cleaning people didn't want to go there, and the lady in the reception, she was very scared. So what do I do? Ghostbusting? Oh. Spirit hunting? We don't. Do I get angry at the ghost? You have to leave. Go somewhere else. No, that's the wrong way of doing things. That's you know, just a hint, tip, tip for all of you if you have to go ghostbusting. Um, no, um, if you have a ghost, only the best thing to do is to be kind towards them. It's still, it's almost like a mind. It, that that kind of ghost would have would have a mind-made body, perhaps. They would be, the mind would somehow linger and it would manifest in certain ways. So what, what do I do? I do the Buddhist words in loving kindness. So I to peace, the ghost, like, okay, yeah, it's fine. That's good. And then I, I did, uh, did our funeral chanting. The way I thought I, I do the funeral chanting, it's not like we have a, like a formula for these things. We don't know what, we just do what we feel what we should be doing. I did the, our funeral chant, which is quite interesting. Uh, the, the chant we do in the Buddhist funerals is, it's called Anicavata Sankara. All things are transient, transient. The all things are, everything is impermanent. Everything is, the, all the Sankara, all the Sankaras, rather the all the, life cycles or your mind or however you will, everything is constantly changing. And and the ending of stealing of that is actually um, very high happiness. That's what it says in that sutta, in that low chant we do. And that was done in the Buddha's own funeral. That's sort of paraphrasing, but it's it's a it's a nice really little uh, chant. So I chanted that thing. I thought, okay, if I chant this and the person doesn't know that they are dead yet or there's a lot of confusion, they're just, they're just hanging around, at least if I chant this, he, they would realize that actually stealing, going, moving on would be actually a higher happiness. So maybe that they didn't realize. They were holding on onto this life because they didn't realize actually letting go is a higher happiness. Stealing of all things, being content, all that thing. Just move on, move on, move on. And after I did those two chants, I did the Metta Sutta, loving kindness. I did the Anicavata Sankara, stealing of all Sankaras. It felt more calm there. It felt like my hair wasn't rising up anymore. I went back to the, there was a bedroom where he had died and then the main room and I felt, okay, I think that that seems to be enough. So I didn't have to do anything else. And I told the people there just to 
sort of give them a little um, confidence that I, I feel that it's fine. It should be fine. At least I've done. We've done something, and we seem to be. It seems to be that the spirit was able to let go. And I think a lot of a lot of us, we have thing in things in our life where we cannot just be content. A lot of us are fighters. A lot of a lot of you are actually in the Buddhist word. This is almost word to word. You are troublemakers. The Buddha said, "This is actually from the suttas. As long as you're not enlightened." You make trouble for yourself. You make trouble other for others. And you make trouble for both of you. So don't be a troublemaker. Most of you are troublemakers. Me included. Not saying too much. But um, actually, when you are really on the path, when you really have a lot of, let's say, loving kindness, where you have a lot of contentment in your life, you don't make trouble even for yourself. And that's a starting point for this path. If you are a content person, everything flows really really well in your life. But it starts from you. The world outside of us is out of control. Our own minds is really, even our own mind is out of control. The only thing we can do is have contentment. So try to cultivate that. Try to see what's happening in your own mind. Cultivate the, the contentment. So even at least if nothing happens during this lifetime, when you're dying, at least you're not going to be like that coast who had something holding on so strong that he couldn't even die. He could not even move on after the death into the next rebirth process. It was hanging on into this life, perhaps. But at least you are preparing now. So all of these things that come really nicely together. That's one of my things I say quite often. But to give your starting point, you give yourself a gift of precepts, or the, or the others rather. You give, take the precepts, you give others the confidence to your nice person. You don't try to intentionally hurt them. Give yourself a gift of peace once in a while, where you can look what's happening in your own mind. You are content. There's nothing you can really do. The Buddha's basic teaching is there is no self. Well, who's in charge? You're not in charge. It is all estimating the life. We're trying to go through this life and the best of our, of, um, best of our estimate it's what's going to happen, and we go towards that. We're optimizing our happinesses. But it's still out of your control. But put yourself in a situation where you can, you can have happinesses. That's why we, like Adrian is not here. 
But Adrian is putting himself in a situation where he gets happiness out of his family. He gets, you know, when you, it's like you, when you see a child who's joyous when you're doing these little things and it makes you joyous. It's a really nice feeling. Enjoy those feelings. Make a lot of out of it. And that's a nice feeling because you know what? It's called Mudita. And that's my name. You see a dog when you give a dog a pad or food. It's a nice feeling. Make, make something out of it. That's why we would never say, oh, we don't celebrate Christmas. We are, you know, we are the, the Orthodox Theravada Buddhists where we don't celebrate Christmases. What kind of place is this? No, we celebrate Christmas. We put Christmas decoration here. We go and be, to spend time with your family. Because that's an important thing to do. That brings you happiness. But if you, if you really are dedicated, well, then you perhaps stay in my retreat. Give yourself a gift of silence. It's quite actually interesting. Well, it's not going to be very silent because I'll, I'll be talking a lot, I think, it will be because we have the word of the Buddha class coming. But the, it's an interesting thing where you just stay more time by yourself. Just that silence alone gives you more perspective in life. Quite often because things are out of control, we don't really know our own minds, just that silence brings you almost answers. The silence speaks to us. We had our young youth group, uh, we have the citizen group, and they were the young adults group. They were in our monastery uh, two weeks ago on the weekend, and it was completely silent retreat. That was, we did something, something, things, something different. And they really enjoyed it. They, they're all in their early 20s, most of them. And they said, that was so amazing. They never spent so much, they never, being in a quiet place. And it's amazing just that silence inside of you and obviously externally because you're not all the time project, projecting yourself from the other people when you're talking. We're always looking how, how my speech is affecting, how do, am I saying the right thing, all those things. You always, when you're looking, when you're talking to somebody, you're sort of outside of yourself. That sort of that, just that um, fact, just that act of um, being quiet brings the mind, brings your awareness back to yourself. So just that's enough. So it's very, very interesting. So even this Christmas, if you, some of you might have a family and you spend time, but spend a lot, spend a lot of time by yourself as well. Go for a walk in the beach, on, on the beach, on your sidewalk. Maybe don't even put your shoes on. Just feel how it feels to be walking bare feet on the sidewalk around the block, doing something different. Paying attention just to that thing two meters ahead of us, ahead of you. <clears throat> 
for us monks, it's, it's quite nice. We have a lot of these things which are very, they're quite restrictive. Like I went to the, my arms round last yesterday morning, <coughs> and one of our rules is we should be looking. Sorry, something's itchy in my throat. <coughs> I, we have to pay attention few feet in uh, front of us when you're on arms round you shouldn't be looking around we go barefoot it's part of it's more like a tradition that going barefoot but uh, that's how we do it and you pay you just pay attention a uh, few feet in front of you you shouldn't be looking around people when you're going with your arms ball and it's 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 quite interesting how it's it has a very nice calming effect Walking barefoot, not knowing what's going to happen because people don't know what monks are here and all that, and try not to step on dog poo and class. But uh, just paying attention in front of you and the feeling what's happening in your feet and that thing, there's a lot of calmness in that moment and it's and it's a really it's a beautiful tradition that's partly why we do it it's not so much yesterday i was lucky because nobody fed me so i was lucky that i went to pinda but <laughs> but uh it's not the food it's not it's almost like the food is the um side uh the benefit the side benefit from going to pinda it's it's also that it do you see the joy on other people giving us? You, I walked past there and there was a Sri Lankan lady coming, came to me running. Oh, Bhante, you don't need to go to, go to um, arms round. I bring the food to the temple. I said, oh, don't worry. No, this is, I'm just, I need to go for Bindabad to show that I'm doing this. And then I walked past the Carnegie there and there's some Thai restaurants. Thai people came out because they, <clears throat> they know what we're doing. And uh, just the, the joy of those people giving us, it brings me so much joy. So it's not so, sometimes it's, you need to give gifts in the Christmas time for your grandchildren or your loved ones or something, because you need to give. It's not so much that they need to receive, but you need to give. And you should give wherever your heart feels giving there is no buddhism we don't again we would never say that oh just give to the gives to the sangha the buddha already said give where your heart wants to give if your heart want, feels like giving to another religion another faith that's what you should be giving that's if your heart feels like giving to to this center, our causes we're doing well, then it's a, it's the right thing to do, or the sangha. It's not like I need to take receive so many gifts or food. We get fed too much. I'm getting fat. Be careful with with me. Um, but you need to give. You need to give. You need to make a, a my favorite pie in the morning. <laughs> Give me a sausage, I don't know, 
weird thing. Last I was here two weeks ago, I kept getting sausages. The word had cut out, and I, I like sausages. Oh no. Okay, at least I had a little break. You can't have sausage at breakfast, lunch, and and well, no, I'm not having dinner. But two, uh, like a week, I was eating sausages. But out of kindness, I ate it. But the thing is, again, give. Look, we are now um, building a retreat center, and it's been a lot of giving from Indira and Adrian and me and everybody around us, whoever's been involved with this. But we're happy to give our time for this retreat center. What is it? What is this retreat center for me? What has it got to do with me? Why am I here? I should be meditating. I should be in Western Australia in my little hut, in my kuti in the forest. Yet I'm arguing with builders. For what? Why do we, why are we building retreat centers? We're building because we need to give. I need to do that. I need to be part of this team. And you can be part of it as well. So that's another thing what I would encourage. If if you feel inclination to be part of the Buddhist society, if this is something you want to be part of, we are open. We have all kind of things. We're here, we're filming, doing the whether it's recording this, whether it's just come a lot more the lawn here or be part of the building project. Or then come to the retreat center often. Get a habit when the retreat center is done. Come there on weekends. That's why we're building it. So you can come there. Come there and be become part of these societies. Be part of the Buddhist society. Don't just come here every Sunday, listen to a talk, go back. It, you don't get the full benefit. To be full benefit, yes, come here every Sunday or when you can. But also give a gift of being part of the society. It brings a lot of happiness, actually. I've seen through so many years whether it's Buddhist Society of Western Australia, where I've lived many, many years, or here in Buddhist Society of Victoria. Once you become involved in, in, in these societies, there's, okay, so there's, you know, there's responsibility, but from that responsibility, the happiness comes out of it. You feel like you are contributing to something. And it's an amazing feeling. And sometimes, okay, might get busy, But there is a lot of times when you look back and said, yeah, we did that. And then if you don't feel like I can do it all the time, well then start figuring out something like come and feed the other people who aren't doing retreats. We have the retreat center is probably going to be, I hope, <laughs> will be open by um, July. And then we're gonna take a little few months to get it get it all going. Let's get something going where we can keep feeding others who are meditating there, being quiet, looking inside. We have all kind of great ideas. We have somebody said we should perhaps have a retreat for doctors who are gonna come there who don't have a support. Young doctors 
who they can just spend time in there, do a weekend retreat, and they have a uh, senior doctor there who can actually, you know, encourage them, listen to them, all those things. Whatever, there's all kind of great ideas how we can use our retreat center. I'm sure we'll be very successful, but we need everybody there. It's not enough for us monks only give talks. It's not enough. We do our part, and it's a it's a beautiful part, and that encourages actually my my practice of giving. I'm doing this work. If you call this work, the pay is not so good. <laughs> no, actually, the pay is really good. You wouldn't get paid like this, even if you no, no matter what you do. But be part of it. Give. And that's the gift we can give. It's not like you, other, people's need to other people need to receive. You need to give. And that's my talk for the Christmas. Sad. Now I take compliments. <laughs> not so much complaints. Give your gift, your compliment to me. Also, the donation box is at the end. <laughs> is there anything online so we can get started? Uh, we don't have anything online at oh, the moment. Oh, right. <laughs> wow. Okay, um, apparently, yes, good. Please start. It's sometimes somebody starts and then we get going. Thanks for the talk. I'm just curious, that person who died, did did he have a violent death or like suicide or what no. was the reason? So apparently he just um, died on his sleep on the bed and they didn't find him for a week. The daughter called from England and yeah, it wasn't violent. It was, so that is true that sometimes if... Um, if you would be violent death, so then sometimes there there would be a lot of um, sadness in that person's mind. So he was, yeah, yeah. And so, how did the the spirit dissipate? I'm just. Well, I think if it, it would just sort of, I can just imagine that the the spirit would sort of fade away once you. That's what I thought. I do the. Um, the stealing of the sankaras, the stealing of the all the will and evolution, that the um, it would be more happiness. So if you tell, like, if I tell you, just relax, relax, relax. There's something to that. Just me telling you, relax. That you might as well, okay, yeah, relax. So there's something that if I if we do a chanting, it's like, oh, that is actually high happiness. Go there. This is actually so. Then the the mind would, the mind is the fastest thing in the world. If you think of something, the distance doesn't matter. If you think of something in England, wherever you come from, childhood place, your mind goes there straight away. The distance, even the time doesn't matter. Because the place in childhood, that happy place, you have a vivid memory and mind just goes for that. So if the mind is free, this, you stop holding on to this moment, it goes wherever it goes really quickly. So the, the mind would just disappear and go to there uh, and towards what it 
where it feels it belongs. It's mostly attachment, but yeah. Okay, so it just dissipated naturally after a while. Is that right? Uh, the spirit. So what happened with your with your mind after you die is um, it goes according to your karma, according to your, um, what you've done in this life. So it's you could say it's almost like a really really strong habit, habit where it's uh, it just goes where it something it knows. It cannot just all of a sudden manifest somewhere where it doesn't feel comfortable or it doesn't understand what's happening. All that. And that's why I have a lot of doubts that even a lot of Christians get born in the heaven because they don't know what it is. And then there's Christian traditions where they say you go to purgatory and all those things. But the, that being aside, I don't know too much about it. But the, our minds are not like divine being. You're not, you're not divine yet. So even Buddhism, we have these Brahmalokas, divine places. But a lot of our minds are not ready. We're not divine beings here. So it, it doesn't mean that you get you die and all of a sudden you become a divine being because your mind is not used to that. Our minds are just used to being humans. We're used to being in this level. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And that's your karma. Yeah. There's um it's always sometimes difficult to get questions. So it's like if somebody gives a give a give give a gift for their friend, do they anybody's friend have any problems? You can ask on behalf of your friend. Questions? Yeah. Is there anything online? We did just get one question online. Oh yeah. Um, Ajahn, can you share practical ways we can cultivate contentment? Thank you. Okay, contentment. Practical ways of contentment. Practical way of having contentment is that when you are sad, you can be content with that. When you're depressed, you can be content with that. When you're sick, you can be content with that. When you're grumpy, you can be content with that. When your husband is grumpy, you can be content with that. It's difficult, but it's, you can be content anywhere. The most practical thing I can say what Adam, is Adam Brahm saying again. Don't let other people control your happiness. That's contentment in action. So if somebody else is crumpy, it doesn't affect me. It's their crumpiness. They're not, they seem to be in that cloud. So contentment, it's not this high-fluting thing. The, again, I'll give you a simile. What contentment feels like. You have to, it's a feeling. You have to understand what it feels like. Contentment is the feeling. When you're going for a school holiday, Christmas break now, and it started a week ago, you're leaving from school, all the homework is done. You have a three-week off, and, and it feels a long time because you're just 12-year-old. You have nothing to do, nowhere to go, no more duties to perform. That's the feeling of contentment. 
that is actually a really good place to be. So understand what this feeling is, what it feels like, that feeling where this is good enough. That's contentment. And it's interesting, that's one of the highest happiness we have. And somebody like Buddha, he was so content that even if there's a prospect that they, somebody would you know, offer him that he could be the world turning monarch, the, the most powerful thing in the, in the world. He just said, well, I'm, I'm just content meek here. Why would I want to do that? So understand what contentment is. Cultivate it and apply it everywhere. Then you know what it is. Very good. I'm going to talk and be talking all afternoon, so I think I'll finish there. Otherwise, my I have nothing to say next in the afternoon. But please, come and go as you wish on uh, today. Whoever even sees online, please come. It's no like you have to stay all afternoon. If you Tuesday, if you're tired at home, you're done with eating turkey and Christmas pudding and your family. Probably family is the biggest thing. Come, I'll be here from nine to eleven, and then uh, one to three. We have we're going with the word of the Buddha, and um, so please come and if you have time and meditate and listen to the Dhamma. Nice to seeing everybody and have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. So good. Very good. Okay, let's pay respect to the Buddha Damasak. Arahang Samma Sambuddho Bhagava Buddham Bhagavantang Abhivademi Swakato Bhagavata Dhammo Dhammang Namasami Supatipanno bhagavato savakasanko sankang namami.